I think it comes down to drills and testing yourself and challenging yourself every day to make it difficult. You know, that's that's what it takes to get better with rhythm. So that's where we're at with that, man. Every day we mix in stride stops, curveball fastballs, things like that to make sure there's no cheating involved when we're getting better. What's up and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. This is your host, Jonathan Gellner, and thank you so much for joining us. Today we have the pleasure of speaking with J.L. Buchanan, hitting coach at Taft College. I recently ran across an article about Taft and the changes that they implemented when Coach Buchanan took over, and I knew I had to get him on the show. Some of those changes, including trying to hit home runs while measuring exit velocity and launch angle, and those changes elevated, pun intended, them to the second most home runs in the state of California. Without further ado, here is J.L. Buchanan. Coach Buchanan, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Yeah, no problem. It's a pleasure, brother. The reason why I had you on, and not that you know we have a ton of mutual acquaintances, but I read an article about you guys and what you guys were doing in Baseball Census, and I just absolutely loved it. And so we can get into the player development side a little bit here in just a minute, but let's start by t- telling our listeners a little bit about your baseball background and why you decided to get into coaching. Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm originally from Greeley, Colorado. Grew up, played at Greeley West High School. Um, after that, you know, I grew up as a, a coach's son. So that was always something I could look forward to every day. My dad was around to be, to be with me at the baseball field. But uh, I went to Greeley West High School. Um, I eventually signed at Trinidad State Junior College and had a great time there. I played for head coach Scott Douglas. After that, I rolled on to Colorado Christian University, played for Coach Peg in the RMAP. So for me, I got to experience something kind of special when I look back on it. You know, at Trinidad State, I got to win a bunch of games. We were a top 10 team in the nation my sophomore year. We, we lost in the regional championship. Um, and I got to learn how to really harness winning, how to control that. Coach Douglas was a great influence on me in my life. And then uh, following that, I played at Colorado Christian where we didn't win as much, man. And I got to see head coach with Rob Pegg. I got to see him keep it together. I got to see him show up every day with no excuses. And, and I honestly, I got, I'm happy I got to learn from both. I wish I could have won more, you know, at the four-year level, but I got to see how both situations were handled. So I was very, very happy with the college career. I loved my time there. Um, and, and both of those head coaches and my father were honestly the biggest influences on me becoming a coach. So um, I really appreciated how they could handle people. They handled people at a very, very high level, and they had a chance to impact the player any day they wanted to, just if they felt to. So I always liked that. I liked how that made me feel, and that's something that I wanted to be someone that can, that can impact people on a day-to-day basis just, if, just by trying hard. I um, learned a lot from them, and uh, that's how I ended up here. So I've been in California, coaching at the junior college level the last five years, and this was my first year at Taft College. So I'm excited to, to move on to year six. Oh, that's awesome. And the article also mentioned that this is the first time that Taft has been in the playoffs in 25 years. And it also yep. went on to you know mention how your head coach lets, lets you take over the entire offensive side. And that includes you know launch angles, exit velocity, and data, which all three yep. sound awesome to me. So talk to us about what you guys started to do in the fall, not just regarding that, but just regarding the entire offensive side, and and what did you guys really focus on? You know, being out of junior college, we don't have too many resources when it comes to being able to analyze every part of your swing, but 
We did, um, from time to time, use the Zet product that goes onto the, the handle of your bat. And there was a lot of good info from that uh, resource, man. But uh, two of my favorite things that tracks something that we're big on is we love to track attack angle and we love to track vertical angle. Okay, so a lot of times, so when we're attack, when we're tracking attack angle, um, attack angle is going to be the direction in degrees that the barrel is moving at impact, up or down. Okay, so a positive number means the direction of the barrel is going up into impact, and a negative number means the direction of the barrel would be going down into impact. So we like to check to see where our players are at, and a typical attack angle um, for a ground ball is going to be anywhere from minus 15 degrees to zero. Okay, so then a typical attack angle um, for a live drive is going to be plus 5 to plus 20, and a typical attack angle for a fly ball is going to be anywhere from plus 20 to plus 35 most of the time. Uh, most pro hitters have a consistent attack angle of anywhere between plus 8 and plus 12 degrees. So we really, really shoot to try to be within plus 8 and plus 12 degrees when it comes to attack angle. And uh, one thing that I like about it is that, you know, it varies throughout the team. Some players have have higher numbers. Some players, you know, hit more ground balls than others. But it's really helped with in-game management, um, picking the right person off the bench uh, to possibly hit a sack fly or a ground ball. So we don't only track these things for the guys. We take into consideration what they mean, too, and we use them in-game. So to go along with attack angle, we also track vertical angle, which is another one of my favorites. And that's going to measure the degrees of the angle between your hands and barrel at impact, so above or below. So if your bat barrel is going to be below your hands at impact, the angle is negative. And if your bat barrel is above your hands at impact, the angle is going to be positive. So you really want to be an optimal line drive is going to be minus 25 degrees. So that's where we shoot for. We try to be anywhere from minus 20 to minus 30 um, when taking our best swings off a tee. So those two things are my two favorite things to track at Taft right now. So talk to us about how you implement that. We don't want to get a paralysis by analysis, but mm-hmm. how, what was the happy balance between we're wanting it, we're, we're putting Zep on the end of the bat, but we're also we're trying to get our best swing off. So what was the the great balance that you guys found within that? You know, it's it, it comes down to them uh, working with it on their own, and so. With practices, we don't have time to set up, you know, 100 swings off a tee where guys can can get to that attack angle or the vertical angle. They need to, they have time to spend on their own to play around with it. And so we implement a lot of drills. Um, we usually don't chart this stuff until after the fall season, um, and then we chart it pretty heavy from the end of fall into beginning of spring. But to go with attack angle, vertical angle, when they test out um, with their weaknesses, we have you know three or four drills to go with that to improve. So if they were struggling with attack angle, when that comes back, we'll say, hey, here's your plan this week. You have to at least pop up with three or four of these drills to really focus on what they want to do. So it's a piece by piece thing, but it gives them instant feedback. And our best results are when they're just hitting on their own uh, and they have time to work on it, improve and treat it as a game almost. Like this thing doesn't need to be perfect yet, but what do I got to make my body do? to get this position here. I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to try something different. Let me see what the results are with that. So that's how we use it. We use it as a training tool. Um, it takes time. It really does. But it's awesome to see them make their own adjustments from practice week to week, practice to practice, because they have the option of throwing one of these on the end of their bat whenever they want to. So um, it's definitely helped us out with being able to to specify 
certain problems and swings and it gives them instant feedback and we have a list of drills to to fix each thing that it measures so um it's really been awesome for us man it really has well that's fantastic and so you're using data to your advantage but let's say that you've got a guy who's struggling a little bit with a swing so what's where do you get where would you guys start and what's your process of deciding what a hitter or what that particular hitter needs to work on for us, you know, and, and I talked to my coaches about it, you know, at a junior college, we're going to typically get a bunch of raw players. So uh, we really try to attack tools, maybe guys that haven't been recruited as well. Um, usually the guys that are going to be more polished, more developed, um, doing things the right way at a pro level are going to be guys that, you know, are signed at D1. So what we do in the fall is we pretty much just start everybody over at the ground at ground zero. Now in the fall, that's where all of our mechanical adjustments are going to be made for the most part. But we're going to start out narrow in the fall. We're going to start out with leg kicks, things like that, to where we're really uncomfortable, but we're learning how to use the big parts of our body. And that's what I focus at first when I watch a hitter. Is like, does he do the big things right first? And if he's doing the big things right, then we can start getting into the smaller things like hand pivot, you know, hip rotation, things like that. But um, at the junior college level, like, I got to make sure, is this guy separating his hands and gaining ground? That's one of the first two things I look at for, you know, a young, inexperienced player. The first two things I see, I have to see them doing that. So once they start to do the big things right, then I can get deeper into the swing fix things to fix things. But right away, you know, in the fall, if we're in the fall season, we're making a bunch of mechanical changes regardless. And that's just kind of how our program works. And we'll get into it uh, some more, but, uh, you know, that's the first thing. If it's in season, it would have to take some individual work and it would have to be a lot more approach. Um, what are we doing outside of the big things in your swing if it's in season? So, um, that's what I'm looking for out of season. Like, is he doing the big things right? If he's not, we'll focus on that. If he is doing the big things right, let's get to some film. Let's get hooked up on the Zep. Let's see those things right there. So that's what I'm looking for right away. No, I love that. And, so talk to us about, you know, your high school kids that you see typically that you guys may or may not be trying to recruit. And a lot of our listeners are at the college level, but a lot yep. of our listeners are at the high school level as well. So what are some of the most common problems that you see with, you know, younger kids, let's say, you know, incoming freshmen to high school age kids, and how can we prevent that? And how can we make them better for you guys? You know, here's here's uh, something that I run into a lot, um, and it's not talked about too much, but it's it seems like it's really where I start in the fall, um, and that's with young high school players, young college players, not using their stride foot with any intention, with any purpose. So a lot of days, kids are trained, it's cookie cut, you know, their stride is just a one, two, three, you know, there's no fluidity, there's no rhythm, there's no... There's no real timing that's um, being used with the front foot with a lot of kids that come into high school or come into college. So for us, for me, like I'm looking at people that use their front foot for timing, that use it with intent, that are using it with the purpose, transferring their weight with their front foot, being explosive with their front foot, things like that, that it's tough because it looks good when we're just using our, our stride foot as a dead foot off a tee, putting it back in the same spot every time. What happens in game when we get a power slider or a curveball or a changeup? You know, we need to be able to use our stride foot with intent, and the length of your stride is going to depend on what kind of pitch is thrown. And so that's what I focus on early in the fall. You know, we get up, we're tall early in the fall, we all have leg kicks early in the fall, our heads move too much, we stride too far, our hands separate back too far, but we do everything 
big motions and with, with intent so that when we do start to clean things up, um, we know how to control those parts of our body. And so that's one part of the body that I think gets left behind a little bit is just getting the foot down to get the foot down. And that's what I see from a lot of kids nowadays that come in is they just put it down to put it down um, and they don't use it to their advantage. Mm -hmm. So um, that's what, something that I don't think is talked about too, too much because it is something that's pretty dynamic when you start working with it. But, you know, when I'm looking at high school players and I see a kid that can use his, his front foot for balance and be able to get it up off the ground and, and get it into the ground before his hips fire, um, I love that as a hitting coach. That's something I want to see. It's not something that, you know, I have to teach to everybody else for the first two months like, like usual. So um, using the front foot with intent, using it with timing, using it with a purpose, I think that's one thing that a lot of high school kids could work on in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it goes back to something we were probably all taught, which is, you know, get your foot down early. But the kids that yep. I talk to, you know, we just talk about and and they're all, you know, they're all sharp kids. So they learn this in like fourth grade. But what happens to objects in motion? Mm -hmm. And you you say, well, they stay in yep. motion. Well, what do we want to do with a swing? Do we want to just completely stop our for, forward move or do we want to connect our muscles? And they're like, oh, well, connecting yep. them would be a whole lot better. Okay. Well, then let's, what is getting the foot down early doing? They're like, oh, that, you know, that makes sense. So that's something that's really helped me. And, and that's something that yep. I, I always ask them. And I've never had a kid go, no, I don't know. I've never heard, heard that or objects in motion, stay in motion thing. Cause they're all smart kids. They just, we've got to find a way to communicate with them about why. And I think that that's, that that's a big yep. thing that, that we can all try and speak their language and, and help them with that why. But we would all be really good hitters if, you know, we all had 85 mile an hour fastballs right down the middle, but we don't. And you mentioned that we're trying to get them to hit, you know, hard sliders and good curveballs. But how do we train that? How do we train that ability to adjust and adapt in our swing? Well, and I think that's going to go to a lot of how you're preparing. We do a lot of different drill series with, with being able to keep our hands back and stride at the same time. So I think that just takes a lot of work. We do, you know, we do a drill that's a stride stop drill where we're doing short toss flips and then we mix in a fake flip to make sure that we're striding and keeping our hands back without the ball in motion. So being able to test yourself, because if you're separating your hands and, and striding, no matter what distance, if your hands are staying back and walking away from your head's going to be 50, 50. So for us, we like to mix in a lot of curveballs, a lot of fastballs, because you know, typically on a fastball, your your stride length isn't going to be as fast, isn't going to be as far. And on a curveball, changeup, slider, your stride's going to should be typically um, a little bit farther. And so we try to mix in, especially on game days. Hey, we'll hit you with curveballs, we'll hit you with fastballs back to back, just to make sure that we're keeping our hands back and we're striding with intent and we're not drifting. So um, I think in the cages is our biggest improvement on being able to be aggressive with our lower body. But our hands staying back the whole time, making sure that we that we, we end up 50-50 uh, on the ground. So I think it comes down to drills and testing yourself and challenging yourself every day to make it difficult. You know, that's that's what it takes to get better with rhythm. So that's where we're at with that, man. Every day we mix in stride stops, curveball fastballs, things like that to make sure there's no, no cheating, no cheating involved when we're getting better. I love that. And it a little bit of it goes back to, you know, getting that foot down early and that's if you've got something that you're off time, like say, you know, you, you're timed it up with your, with your, get your foot down really early and stop 
on an 85 mile an hour fastball and then you're firing at one at that same time you've got no shot to adjust to a curveball and so that's why I love, yes sir that's why i love you're talking about your stride foot and just being able to move around with it a little bit so that's that's awesome and I, I think that that itself will help them to become better hitters because they do have that uh, ability to adapt within their swing like that but something that everybody loves to do and this is probably one of my most popular questions and that's how do we get them to compete so what are some different competitions that you guys do within the practice setting that uh, that helps your guys compete with one another you know just like everybody else we're we're taking exit exit velocity right away in the fall. Um, we compete in the weight room very, very well. Uh, we compete on film as well, too. Like, we watch film together. Uh, we analyze each other very, very well. But, you know, at practice, when it comes to competition, you know, other than the things that we measure, you know, we, we take a lot of BP. We do some BP rounds called Riverside that our guys have a lot of fun with where – um, you get three outs per batting practice groups, you know, whoever puts up the most runs wins. And at our program, you know, it's usually going to be eight to seven to six. So they have a lot of fun with that. But I think when it comes to competition with our guys, it's just about who's closest to perfect right now. And that's what we see anything in batting practice that we do. Uh, our groups are so competitive with each other internally that we really don't have to do, do too much to, to turn a switch on in their heads to say, Hey, it's time to get after it. You know? And I think that our, you know, our practice situation and, and the feel that we have at practice, the things that we do every day, everybody's all about getting better anyway. So one thing that's funny, though, is that we do we do have a round called a lightning round. And, you know, we're uh, trained to hit balls in the air at my college. But this round is to really help our infielders get a feel for for live live ground balls. So we'll have our hitters once every two weeks just try to hit as many ground balls as we can at the infielders. And it's almost funny because after all that repetition of getting a ball in the air, it gets it gets challenging uh, for hitters at times. So a lot of them end up going back to their mechanics in high school when we're competing for ground balls just because it's so ingrained in their swings to not do that. You know, we have a couple hitters that are that are at plus 30 on the vertical angle on almost every swing below the belt, you know. So uh, I had a lot of fun watching them just try to hit ground balls after the whole fall of not doing that. But competitive-wise, man, everything that our guys do uh, for the most part – batting practice it's all an internal competitive thing we don't try to, to turn on a switch for him too much so that's how we are out of Taft while we're on the subject of batting practice let's talk about the differences between the fall and the spring and you know does that change as as far as what the focus of the swing is do you guys change much in that yeah we do and we go through like a eight to ten week process of uh, every week we have a different approach for what we're trying to work on on our swing and so, like, you know, we talked about earlier, a lot of my guys, when they come in, you know, we're in a high leg kick early, we're, we're transferring weight, we're trying to do big things in there, you know, and that's, that's really going to pay off in the end when it comes down to adjustability. But the whole fall, it's just all trying things. And that's what's different about our program a little bit. And, you know, our players get nervous about it right away because it's a junior college and they have two years to play and they need to come in and win a spot. And they got this crazy hitting coach changing everything they've done their whole life week two of the fall season. It really turns out to there has to be a lot of trust there, but they get to see the process. They get to see like, hey, coach knows what he's doing a little bit. And once they hop on board, they start getting better and better. So we honestly, we this fall, we did not hit well for the first month and a half, probably. We were terrible. So it's good to see everything clean up in the end, though. And they start to realize like, hey, this is working. Like I'm starting to figure this out. Like I can do tons of different things with my body. I know how to adjust 
mid at bat because I've hit a million different ways. I know how to control my lower half. I know how to control my upper half. And the people that, you know, there wasn't too many of them, but the people that didn't trust right away, um, that didn't buy in, they started getting passed up pretty quick. So some good players, you know. So once they start to see like this is all connecting, this is working, um, the end of the fall is a special time because everybody's pretty much cleaned up. There's a lot of individual work in the fall. And once we move on to the spring, there's not too much more mechanical things to be done unless there's something something went wrong over Christmas break when they were gone or things like that. But fall is so mechanical. It is such a stress on our players just trying to compete, doing things completely different. But they just they start to realize that I'm focused on development and where they're going to be by February. They're focused on the results that weekend. So once they kind of buy into like, hey, dude, chill out, you know, it's okay if we went over three today, but you improved here, here, and here. And that's what it really came down to this fall was a lot of individual um, attention, a lot of talking about what's going on, what we're feeling. And once they get a, you know, a grasp of being able to control their body, then we can really shorten things up. Then we can get them to where uh, where their stride fits their swing, you know. Like hardly any of my guys are in huge leg kicks anymore, you know. Maybe one guy out of the starting nine is. So that's, you know, it's it's crazy in the fall hitting at Taft College. You know, I'm not going to lie about it. But it's a lot of fun because all, everybody's going through it together and everybody's going to fail. And I tell them they need to fail to, to develop. They're going to develop faster if they fail and just go for it, you know. So – we all take our turns having terrible weekends, but by the end of fall, man, it's they're doing great. And then by the start of spring, um, you know, we were just right on right on path this year for the most part. So, you know, when you're coming to hit at Taft College, just know in the fall, things can get a little wild for the first couple of months. But it's a fun ride, man. They all got to see film at the end of the year. They all got to see where they've improved. Once they see all that, then they, then they trust it. Then you got them, you know, then you got them right there. Oh, I love that. And you're creating yep. a ton of buy-in whenever you can do that. But I want to hear what does, and if you don't mind sharing, what does a typical uh, batting practice session look like for you guys from the hitting station? You can talk about uh, stations and even rounds if you don't mind. Yeah. No, typically, um, you know, we don't have the biggest facilities. We have a nice facility, but not the the biggest. So we just have two tunnels in our batting cages like a typical college. Um, In the spring season, the machine is typically set up for – uh, what kind of opponent we're facing in that week. So if we're facing a program with a lot of velocity, you know, it'll, the machine will be up 85, 90, 92, right around there. Uh, if we're facing uh, guys that throw a bunch of curveballs and pitch backwards, you know, the machine will be set up on curveballs out there. And then and, uh, the other side, we're just focusing on getting, you know, our best three swings off um, or we're doing stride stop drills where we're just working on striding, separating our hands, staying 50-50. Batting practice-wise, we go through an action round. Um, and then we get into, to gap to gap, uh, for the next three rounds. So I'm not big on telling hitters, let's start, you know, around oppo, let's start around pull side, middle, we go gap to gap right away because I don't want them thinking uh, about having to gimmick themselves into making swings, if that makes sense. So when you get older, um, you can control your body to where you can hit the ball wherever you want to. Um, but I don't want them trying to push balls to right field. If I'm accidentally throwing inside that day, you know, like what is what does that do? Taking a whole round of batting practice to the right side, and I'm throwing a middle in on accident, and they're getting their hands way far ahead of the ahead of the barrel just to to do what I ask them to do. So we're all gap to gap every day. We love hitting home runs. We really try our hardest. We want to see who get the ball the farthest, uh, the opposite opposite gap. Big into oppo gap. We like to see, you know, okay, we can put up to 
to pull side, but let's see what we can do oppo. And then we do typically we finish on you know riverside rounds like we talked about. Where we're we're just trying to end batting practice on a high note. But in the fall, after batting practice, I'll individually talk to every single player after the round and tell them what they did right, what they did wrong, what they need to work on, how they looked that day, what did they feel, things like that. Because um, in our program, we talk a lot. We have a very open relationship. Uh, with, with hitting and they ask questions on anything they aren't afraid to ask questions and we make it that way because the sooner that they can coach themselves um, the less work that I have to do anymore so uh, in, the, in the fall it's very very um, back and forth and in the spring we have a good enough relationship and a feel where we don't have to talk as long like we can make this adjustment uh, in the next swing it's not going to take three days to fix this we can we can just fix it right now so, you know, practice like that, it's, it's, we're talking all the time. We aren't like a high tempo on the stopwatch, you know, trying to get a million things done that day. We kind of just go at it with what we need to work on and everybody needs to be focused and, and just trying to put the ball over the fence, dude. So, um, we love our practices. Guys like to be at practice every day. And I think if you're coaching and you can get your guys to show up with enthusiasm and just want to be there, regardless if you're winning or losing, your season's going to be pretty fun. I love that, and that's that's the ultimate goal, isn't it? Just to have them want to come back every single day. Yep, and that's that's how they get better, you know. And there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of good coaches out there that know that know a lot. But if you can't get your players to want to do this, um, it's not going to work because this type of hitting uh, it takes a lot of practice. It takes you know a lot of time by yourself. It takes a lot of time with a coach around you uh, helping get there and. It really is sky's the limit, and I'm I'm really big on this launch angle stuff and just training hitters to get the ball in the air, John. Because you know nowadays it it seems like to really get hitters out, you have to have velocity up in the zone, you know, and that's what it seems like it's trending toward in the MLB. Like we want to get these launch angle guys out, we gotta we gotta be 95 up in the zone because that's the the toughest place for them to get to to put backspin on a ball. And in my opinion, in junior college, you're gonna maybe run into uh, two or three guys a year that are going to have that type of velocity to do that to you. If you really get this in place and you get guys bought into to their mechanics and to understanding their swing and the processes of what they're doing, I think that it, it could be here to stay in junior college for sure. You know, that's how I feel about it. Definitely. And it really, it suits your park as well. So can, you know, it, it's not like you guys have a 360 down the line fence either. Can you talk no. to us, you know, about how your swings help with, the park that that you guys play in yeah and we play in uh an awesome ball field our head coach coach my uncle takes care of that thing um does a great job but you know our left field porch it's short it's 306 to left field with a 12 foot fence 323 to left center um really straightens out to center i think it's 380 in center 394 right center gap and i think three 313 down the right field line so this plays well to getting the ball in the air you know if you're a coach at that program um, you got to look at your field and you got to ha- create a home field advantage. You know, that's the whole point of having a home field is is using your team to play half your games there and to have some type of edge. And uh, I used to coach at a different team in the conference. And every time we played Taft, I'd be like, man, let's get the ball in the air over here. You know, that's all we got to do is just put it up there and see what happens. We're three runs shot away from being in the game at all times. And I think that if you embrace that, like it's still it's still triples alley and right center, you know, but if you embrace it and your best swing is a swing that's getting the ball high enough to get out to left center, you're doing things right at that field. It just 
you know, from an outsider, it doesn't make sense to be a ground ball team at that at that location, you know, regardless of how far hitting has come in the past 10 years or not. So to me, it's always been a, a field that I've wanted to work at. And I'm so happy that Coach Myoko just let me take over and do my thing because with how young our guys were last year and pretty much all sophomores returning, like it's it's on to different different things this fall. Oh, definitely. So while we're on the subject of that, talk to us about something that you're changing from last year to next year. Yeah, that's perfect. You know, like with last year we had only two sophomores that played most of the time. So we were all young. We were all learning this stuff together. We were all terrible in the fall, you know. So right now, uh, for the most part, a lot of the guys mechanically, they're there. You know, they have a few things, of course, that they need to get better at. But for us, I think we need to get bigger, stronger, and just do that. So I think something that we're going to get into this year, we're going to try out the the driveline weighted bat, uh, weighted ball system that I've been reading about. We set up a, a big old pad for them to hit it off of, um, which looks really nice at our facility. But you know, I think we're going to get into that, just trying to get bigger and stronger right now. And we'll be having the older guys help help the younger guys along the way. But with that, like I need to, I'll need to do a better job at covering approach early. You know, I uh, I was very, very mechanical this past season. Um, I was so focused on mechanics that, you know, I didn't pay too much attention to pitch selection, to approach, things like that, man. We just struck out a lot because of it, you know, and a uh, big reason that we did make playoffs and that we were successful is because we, we did so well at the end of the season. And the last three weeks, we had a big group discussion about guys. Like, we're launch angle hitters. Like, let's think about this. Like, where are the far the farthest balls that we hit or what pitch? They're like, right, any pitch down, any pitch below our hips, we're going to get out there. And I was like, which, which pitch, pitches can we not hit? Can we not hit far? You know, and they're like, fast balls up. And I'm like, yeah, you know, that's – that's us. So why don't we just not swing at those anymore? You know? <laughs> and uh, once we locked in and made it a team goal to not, to not expand the zone and chase pitches up, we just, we started getting more pitches in the zone, you know, and it, it really, really turned things around for us. So I was happy to see a bunch of freshmen figure that thing out on their own pretty much. And uh, to see them do that and come through and stick to an approach like that and do what your coach tells you, trust your coach to do it. Uh, it was special to see because, you know, if you played college ball or high school ball, when you're young in the game, it's hard to really stick to things. And, uh, you know, just them not expanding up changed the whole rest of our season. So I'll definitely get an approach a lot earlier this year, and we're going to start developing the body a little bit more this year. And then I'm sure that'll flip-flop the following year. You know, it'll be completely different the next fall. Oh, definitely. And I, I love that question because we're at a time in the year that, that we can reflect on the, on the past year and, and start throwing yep. some stuff together for the for the new year. But talk to us about your own personal growth and what is something that you've learned lately that you're really excited about? You know, I try to I, I try to just continue to keep on getting better, keep on working. I, I love reading things that great hitting coaches talk about, man. It's it's one of my favorite things because it's, you know, especially with like Twitter and social media nowadays, you have access to see all this stuff. It's like it's your own little thing, your own hobby to do. Like you can really learn as much as you want to about things if you want. You can make your own opinion about things. And that's how I approach baseball is that, you know, and I think my guys, they like it too because I, I do my best to not make things about myself. And I know that like I'm, I'm capable of making a bad decision every single day, you know. So I, I've told tons of players probably the wrong things to do for the first couple of years. You know what I mean? So I feel better about myself nowadays with all this access to information 
information and all my own personal experience I've been through that I'm at least teaching kids things that are proper, things that are at the major league level, things that will help them move on and, and ultimately be their own hitting coaches uh, once they get past junior college. You know, and I, I really want my guys to move on and, and be able to work with any coach that works them and be able to, to be their own hitting coach when no one's there. So my own personal development, man, of out in California over the past five years has been going forward every year, and, and I appreciate the game, and uh, I love the fact that you can get better every day as a coach. So, you know, things that I've learned, things that, that I'm looking forward into into next year is, is probably just the approach, Jonathan. There is still some things, there's some a couple things that I've listened to in your podcast that I've liked um, that I'm going to do my research on. So maybe some new hand pivot drills that you guys have talked about on here for next fall. But other than that, just I think just getting uh, their focus early, having them um, know what they're doing every single time they're up to hit is definitely what I'm excited for this fall. I don't have to do as much mechanical work <laughs> like last year on the on the iPad all the time with these dudes. So I'm just excited. We get to talk about baseball more this year. We get to become better baseball players, not just swingers or hitters. You know, I'm excited to work on base running, which sounds weird, but you know, it's just there's we had a big gap to fill last year. We had a lot of stuff to learn, and now this year we can settle down a little bit and let's just get better, better at everything else around it. So that's what I'm excited for, man. No, fantastic. And something that really stuck with me is you're talking about how to help your players become their own best hitting coach and. You know, I think that, that I speak for a lot of coaches who listen to this, and this sounds a little bit counterproductive, but we want to try to eliminate our job as much as possible and to help yep. help each hitter or help each pitcher or whatever position that they're playing to be their own best coach. So I really love that, and, and that's a that's the sign of a humble coach, which, which is awesome to hear. So talk to us about you know, switching gears a little bit is mm -hmm. something that you, that your players absolutely love to do in practice. Now it, it could be a drill. It could be a different situation that you guys do, but what's something that, that you guys do that your players love? You know, we love getting, spending time in the cages together. I, it's weird, man. Like there's been teams I've been on that, uh, or coached at that they like specific things. They like, uh, you know, live bullpens, things like that off pitchers or certain games that we play. But uh, Taft right now, they just like being in the cages together. They get excited about it. They're there early every day, which is which is crazy to me. But, uh, you know, they, they like to be around each other. And they like to help each other out. And, and that's, you know, that's what we were talking about just a minute ago that, you know, once you get a bunch of guys that are bought in and doing the same thing together, they like to go to work together every day too. So what I'm happy about is that they just like to show up and do work, man. That's what they like to do for fun. They feel safe in those cages. They feel safe at practice every day. And I think, you know, other than batting practice for two extra rounds, <laughs> you know, we just mostly get excited about getting to hit early at practice. We do like to use the, the PVC pipes quite a bit. They like those when we schedule that. Um, we do a bunch of different drills with tennis balls and like half swings and, and barrel fields. They, they like to do that stuff. But, you know, other than getting to hit ground balls occasionally at practice, um, Nothing really tops is being in the cages, listening to music, and helping each other out for those guys. So um, I like that kind of culture. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it's they want to be there every day. They just it's it's a good spot to hang out at, and it's it's fun, man. It's it's very very positive. You're gonna you're gonna grow in that program when when people are comfortable with just being there. So that's what we get excited about. Just showing up, getting hit every day. Uh, that's what I feel. I don't. That's what I see every day. So 
It changes every year, though. You know that. <laughs> no, absolutely, and, and that's fantastic. That's that's what we strive to. Like we said earlier, we want them to be there all the time, uh, and yep. th- and that just makes our job easier. Before we started, you mentioned that you have an hour and a half drive to practice and back every single day, so you get a ton of different resources, podcasts, audiobooks, and, and everything in. So I'm really looking forward to this one. So what are some of your favorite resources? Well, first of all, I like to listen to this podcast. You know, ever since you contacted me a few weeks ago, I've been on the ball with it. So awesome. uh, res- resource-wise, you know, I'm big on just getting into YouTube and just going. You know what I mean? Um, I like to look up a lot of a lot of different videos. I don't agree with everything that I watch, but I do just get into there. You know, there's time in the office. You can kill 30 minutes and look things up or things that you hear on the podcast you have questions about, you can get in there and look up. One, one resource that I don't think a lot of people mention, though, is I just like watching games be played, you know? I like watching, you know, all the playoff baseball going on right now in, in Division One, um, all the state games for recruiting right now that I've been at for high school. Like, I like seeing the different levels change. I like seeing what the players at the highest level do. And that's, honestly, like as a baseball coach, that's just what I sit there uh, when I'm watching uh, the Colorado Rockies play at home. You know, I just... Every player I'm watching, how they gather, how they stride, uh, what situation they're in, what count they're in. So uh, resource-wise, I try to watch as much baseball as I can when I feel good about watching baseball. You sure. know, So uh, definitely the inter- internet, definitely uh, YouTube, definitely podcasts. Uh, this is you know my favorite one for listening to baseball stuff. But you know, I'll listen to the starting nine with Barstool Sports. I'll listen to quite a few things like that. So definitely like this one, though, man. I appreciate that. So we've mentioned a couple of times that most of our coaches are college, high school coaches, and most don't have an unlimited budget. So similar to our resource question, which was, you know, how we're personally learning ourselves, what's something that you guys use or your favorite coaching tool that you got for less than $100? Dude, we keep it, we try to keep it cheap there when it comes to tools. We aren't a, we aren't a big gimmick team you know what i mean but uh pvc pipe i'm sure that one's played out pvc pipe and tennis balls were big i like using long fungos uh and then transitioning to short bats so we do a lot of fungal work we do a lot of short bat work uh pvc pipe though you'll always see our guys with pvc pipes man i'm happy those things don't cost a lot of money like everything else in baseball so and then honestly like just the just having the te- technique app on your iPhone, any app that you can video court, record yourself because having mechanics like this takes a lot of acting pieces to work together to be efficient at this style of hitting, and it's going to take a lot of work on your own. So um, if you can come up with some with some resources or you can videotape yourself on a weekly basis just to be real and, and to see where you're at, I think that's for under 100 bucks. Get yourself an app you can videotape and then... Uh, some PVC pipe, tennis balls, a long fungo, and a short bat, and you'll be all right, brother. I love that, and that's that's great, great advice. And so, well, Coach Buchanan, thank you so much for you know joining us on the show today and sharing just a ton of what you guys do at Taft, and and it's amazing what you guys have been able to do in, in just the short amount of time that you've been there, and to be able to turn it around so quickly. If our listeners would like to get in touch with you, what would be the easiest and best way to do that? Yeah, just you can find me on Instagram or Twitter uh, at J R E A L zero two nine. So at J Real zero two nine. I'm on either one of those. Well, awesome. Well, you've got an open mic. Is there anything else that you'd like to discuss or you'd like to tell our listeners before you go? 
Oh no, it's just uh, it's been great being on here, man. Um, I really appreciate the podcast. Like I appreciate the discussions that are on here. There's a lot of a lot of great coaching minds out there that uh, have a lot of good things to say. So I'm just happy that you're promoting them, and it feels good, dude. It feels good to have a good year and for things to happen and to to get to be on here and talk about you know successes and stuff like that. So. I just love the podcast. I think you're going with a great direction, Jonathan. It's, uh, it's definitely been a privilege to be on here, man. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. If you'd like to view the show notes or get in touch with me, you can find all of that information on our website at aotcpodcast.com or on the Texas High School Baseball Coaches Association app. Help us out by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show. But before you go... Here's a quick word from our friends at Keeper of the Game. Hi, I'm Cam Wright, Keeper of the Game player rep for Frisco Merrick League and Dallas Junior Wheelchair Mavericks. Thank you for supporting Keeper of the Game.